the end of our meal weeks, you guys, we always try to zoom in, meditate for a little bit on the cross, and then share communion. So when we look at the New Testament, I believe that communion that they often took was part of a meal, just like we had. They, they enjoyed each other's company. They laughed together. They, they prayed together. They cried together. And then at the end of the meal, they, they broke bread and remembered that Jesus died and rose again for their sins. So we're going to take a few minutes, and I hope you go with me and just come back to the cross. How many big-time C.S. Lewis fans do we have in the room here? A, f- a few. Anybody read his book, The Great Divorce? has nothing to do with separation in marriage. It has everything to do with the huge separation between heaven and hell. And the book is filled with all these intricate, awesome, well-written conversations. Conversations with people like you and I that are between those two places, heaven and hell. And there was one conversation that took place in that book. There was a spirit talking to a woman. And the woman was obviously afraid. She was hiding. She didn't want to be seen by anyone. She was very nervous. And the Spirit was talking to her to try to lead her to freedom. He wanted to lead her out of her captivity. And what it was she was captive to was her own shame. The shame about the sin in her own life. The conversation went like this. The woman said, to the spirit, what are we born for? You talk about the big questions. I mean, there's one right there, right? Probably at the top of this. What, what are we born for? His answer is for infinite happiness. For infinite happiness. And I know there's some theologians, some deep thinkers in this room, and some of you say, no, that's the wrong answer. It's for God's glory. Before you write C.S. Lewis off as a humanistic, hedonistic heretic, I want to tell you that if you read many of his works, you know that he believes that too, okay? He believes that God's glory is the ultimate aim. But he knew what John Piper said before John Piper ever said it. It was John Piper that said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I would take it a step further When we find that satisfaction in God and God alone, then we are experiencing infinite happiness or joy, whatever you want to call it. So C.S. Lewis is actually right on the money, I believe. What are we born for? For infinite happiness. And then he tells her, you can step out into it at any moment. You talk about what a tantalizing offer this must have been to this woman. She should just jump, right? What? What's to think about? This is a no-brainer. The woman hesitates, though, and you know what she says? Her answer is, but they'll see me. But they'll see me. Obviously, there were others around this conversation. What, what's going on inside of her? She knows that if she is to step out of her hiding that people will see her for who she really is. She's wrestling with shame. If these people around me really knew where I've been, if these people around me knew the depth of my sinfulness, 
they'd reject me. Isn't that a battle to some extent that we all face? This fear that if I really reveal who I really am to these people around me, they'll, they'll turn around and run as fast as they can. Don't, don't we all know what she was going through with that shame? But I love this spirit. He says to her, in an hour, you won't care what those people think. In a day, you'll, you'll laugh at what those people think. What's he saying? He's saying, once you take that step, everything you're worried about right now will seem so small because you'll enter into such completeness and such joy and happiness that you'll look back at that hollow, empty, false security you found in hiding and wonder why you ever did it so long. Why'd you hide for so long? And then he goes on to give her this great word picture. This is the core. If you remember nothing else, I love this word picture that C.S. Lewis has his spirit give her. The spirit says to her, don't you remember? There are things on earth too hot to touch with your finger, but you could drink them all right. And what I think of, I don't know what you think of. There's a lot of things you could think of. I think of a piping hot cup or bowl of chicken noodle soup. All right, so he says, there are things on her too hot to touch with your finger, but you could drink them all right. And he drives this point home. He says, shame is like that. If you accept it, if you will drink the bowl to the bottom, you'll find it very nourishing. But try to do anything else with it, and it will scald you. If you drink it down to the bottom, it will be very nourishing. But if you try to do anything else with it, it will scald you. And I want to wrestle with, what does this spirit say? I want you to think about that for a moment. And I think where he's going, he gave her two options with the shame or the hot substance, right? Drink it down or do anything else with it. The do anything else with it that I think he's talking about is to sort of skirt around it and play with it or, or like we sometimes like to do with our shame. We like to pick that bowl up and, and run with it and try to hide it. But what happens when we run to hide with that shame? It inevitably, what? Yeah, it inevitably pops out of that bowl and, and burns our skin. It's, it's when we try to deny our guilt, it's when we try to pretend that we're someone we're not. It's when sometimes we even try to get too busy so that we don't have to slow down and think about that shame, that guilt that we know is all too real inside. But let's be real. Even when we try to get too busy so we don't have to think about it, isn't it true that at 3.30 in the morning when we wake up in bed, it spills out and it burns us? That is the to do anything else with it and it will scald you. This leads to death. That's where C.S. Lewis is going here. It leads to separation in our relationships with others. It leads to separation in our relationship with God. And if we allow this to continue, if we continue to do anything but drink it down, it will lead to an eternal separation from God the Father in hell. The other option, to drink it to the bottom. He said that would be nourishing. 
What does that mean? That means that we, when we sense that shame over sin in our lives, when we feel that guilt, we don't run from it. We own that, yes, I am guilty. We admit it to God. We admit it to those close enough to us to be safe with. We, we own it and we let it drive us to the cross because it's there where we meet our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And if you've been here at the church next door for any amount of time, you've probably seen that verse 10 times. It's not the only verse I know, but I'm just loving this verse this year. Because I think, man, if we really grab onto the great exchange that's talked about here, that Jesus took our shame on himself, and he wants to give us his perfect standing with his Father, that would change our lives. That would change everything. So the answer to our shame is not to run and hide with it. It's to let it lead us to Jesus, to the only one who never had a need for shame with his Father. Is the perfect God-man. And Jesus says, all you've got to do is be real. Give me your shame, admit it, give it to me, and I will give you my righteousness. My bold, unashamed relationship status with my Father will be yours. And like the woman at the beginning, we think, well, that's a no-brainer, right? Who wouldn't do that? But how many of us are stuck right where that lady was saying, but if I step out and admit that I need that, the people around me are going to know that I didn't have it all together on my own. I'm going to have to be real. But isn't that really such a tiny price to pay for complete forgiveness, for fulfillment and, and infinite joy? Especially when you look at the price Jesus paid. So as we prepare to take communion tonight, I just want to throw out a couple thoughts. Some of us in this room may need to bring our shame to Jesus for the first time. We've been running. We've been hiding. We've been burned by the shame that we feel. And some of us in here may need to say, Jesus, this is the first I've heard of this, or this is the first it's ever hit home for me, that you took my shame on yourself on that cross. I believe you did that. I believe you paid the price for it. And I believe you offer me right standing with your Father. I believe you offer me that infinite happiness and joy. I receive that tonight in trust. For some of us in this room, we made that decision. But maybe this week, we're wrestling with shame over some current sin in our lives. And even though we know better, We've been trying to run. We've been trying to hide and it's been burning us and it's been burning the people around us and we need to remember as those who've already come to Jesus, we need to bring it back and confess it and claim the, the complete forgiveness that's already ours. To drink it down and let us drive us back to Jesus where it all began. Jesus, we thank you so much 
that you paid that price for our shame. There is no need for anyone in this room to carry it around and be burned by it anymore. We only need come to you. And I pray that you do your work, Spirit, as we prepare to pass the elements for communion and remember what Jesus did together in a moment as that's passed. Do your work. I encourage you in the crowd, talk to God. Say, God, I'm coming for the first time or I'm coming back for the 1,000th. Just help me to leave here freed from this shame that I carried in through Jesus Christ. It's in his awesome name we pray. Amen.